Now look at this. It is important to understand that every bad word spoken against our lives, if not dealt with, can affect many things in our lives. Many people struggle to find forgiveness. Or have you ever asked yourself, why is forgiveness such a very difficult thing to do? Why is it that forgiveness is such a very difficult thing to do? I forgive you and then I see you at the mall and I feel my hair just running. You see, Jesus, to heal the sick or to deliver the demons, he did not lay hands on them. I'm not saying laying, laying hands is bad. He did not pour the anointing oil or make a swimming pool of anointing oil for people to go and dip themselves in there. Do you know what he did? Look every scripture as Jesus was healing the sick. What did he say? Your sins are forgiven. Go. Jesus, you did not even talk about the sickness of this person. No. He knows what unforgiveness does. It keeps the person into the bondage, into the shackle. And the unforgiveness has got nothing to do with the person that offended you. It has got everything to do with you. Did you know that the people that will offend you, they are even sleeping very well. They don't even lose no sleep. It's you now losing the sleep. And 99.9% they don't even know they hate you. So the devil knows how to paralyze how we can, uh, you know, churches for example have had people say, uh, I left because uh, I heard this word. I said, that's how the devil does. There will be some things that you will hear and the enemy will use it to say, here's the door, march off. And then you run out, we run somewhere else. Again, there'll be another word. And you began now, life 20 years as a Christian. You're just wandering around churches after churches, churches after churches. And you find that, oh my goodness, it's the enemy now setting up the traps through words and through feelings and through things. He likes playing on our feelings. Why? Feelings are actions or are words demonstrated silently. And that is what has paralyzed the body of Christ in Canada. As a Christian, we overcome and we triumph and conquer and defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The greatest asset that you and I have is our mouth. I'm going to show you the scriptures. Not too long ago, we were in the place and uh, we were making this journey of moving here. And uh, one of the words that were spoken to us was, uh, anybody that left that place never amounted to anything. And those were the words that we heard. Anybody that left this place never amounted to anything. And I said by the same words that you spoke for those people not to amount to anything. I reversed those words. I will amount to something for the kingdom of God. For the glorious of God. You can reverse every negative words spoken over your life. You have the power. You got to remember this. 
our duty as men of God, we can uh, lead you to go and uh, say these words, reflect of see things that has been spoken of your life. Until you speak it, I can't speak it for you because you have the keys to speak and to unlock your life right now. One of the things that I've done over the, the years was, uh, God, I don't want my life to be the same or my children's life to be the same as mine was struggling, walking to school one hour, 30 minutes on an empty tummy without food, going to a house where I didn't know if there was food or there was no food. Sometimes you go and open up those pots, there's just boiling water. There is nothing in there. Two, three days. I said, God, I have to change this for my kids and here we are today my kids are not returning home where there is just boiling water my mother she's not at home in Africa where there is only boiling water she's got food words are powerful it can transform your life it can transform your direction you want to change your life change what you speak over your life let's go to Matthew chapter 21 verse 18 and 22 here this is Jesus. I like this scripture and I want you to see something as Jesus is trying to show the disciples the power of the word. But I don't know if you, uh, you, you've ever looked at this scripture and seen what I see here. Let's go. 21. So Jesus answered. Is it 21? Matthew 21, 18? Yes. So Jesus answered and said to them. Sorry, uh, that's 21. Yes. Let's go 21. 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you are faith and do not doubt, you will only do what was done. Now you've got to understand this. Silent faith does not work. Silent faith does not work. Faith must be spoken. That's why the Bible calls for action. Action is our words expressed silently, but they are expressed. I don't have to say a word. My kids know if they are misbehaving. I don't have to say a word. They will see some action that leads to those words and they're going to scatter for their life. Isn't that true? So you have to know why they say action speaks louder than words. Really, action is just a demonstration of words not spoken yet. So all our attitudes, all our character, all other words that we speak are really affected by words that has been spoken into our lives. We just react based on what is in us. Let's go to the next verse there, 20, 22. To the, so here is Jesus now is going to speak to the fig tree. It says that whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, you ask. Do you ask silently? You speak. Same with inner healing. Same with deliverance. Same with any situation you may be in. To change any situation, you got to speak. To forgive somebody you have to speak don't just take a flower there a flower will be an expression of uh, relationship mending but speak and whatever things you ask in prayer believing you will receive let's go 
Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people uh, confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? Are we in the right scripture? Matthew 21, verse 18. Oh, you know what? It's 21, verse 18. You were right. So 21, verse 18. I can't see what I see there. There we go. Now, in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was what? He wanted some food as well. But look what is going to happen. I love this scripture. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it, but leaves and say to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Now remember, Jesus is not mad as he's saying these words. We're going to go into the context of the scripture. And what is trying to show the disciple about the power of words. That's why if you read further in the scripture, as Jesus was telling his disciples, he says, whosoever you forgive will be forgiven, and whosoever you don't forgive will not be forgiven. It's you who have the keys. We have that scripture that we say what? Whatever we bind on earth will be bound where? In heaven. That scripture corresponds to whosoever you forgive will be forgiven. Whosoever you don't forgive will not be forgiven. Why? Words are powerful. So look here. Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. Let's, let's, let's go to the next one. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, do not doubt. You will not only do what was done. But look at the marvel of the disciples to say, How did this fig tree dry up so fast? Now ask yourself, why do, do words hurt so fast? Just one single word can really change your color. If you are pink, you become red. <laughs> and just one word can really get you excited. And like, wow! Now, as we look at this scripture, one thing I like here, Jesus telling the fig tree never to bear fruits again or to produce fruits wasn't really that he was mad. In the same way, he's referring in context actually, is looking at the religious leaders of his day. They knew a lot, but they had no fruits to show for. Now listen to this, where do you get fruits? Fruits will come to the tree based on the root system. If the roots cannot get enough water, oxygen, and everything, it will affect the fruits. So Jesus, again, if you look at what he was dealing with the Pharisees here, he was bombarding them on the heart issue as well. Because he will say, how can you say something that is good to people and yet in your heart you are full of hatred? 
So how can we experience the power of God in Canada powerfully from preachers who are really, really hurt? Or from Christians who are tired of being tired because of, uh, they're just tired of words or anything. You see, the enemy knows how to play people. So I am hurt, and the devil knows you use people to hurt you. And they say what? Broken people will also break others. Or hurt people will hurt others. One way or the other. So now we have this vessel that God was showing me, full of toxic, of unforgiveness, hatred, bitterness. When we rub off with each other, we're not leaving the good, sweet aroma of the presence of God. We are leaving off our religious our years of being in Christianity. We are mad. We are upset with each other. Now, if you look at the churches we are compelling, who has the bigger church? Who has the bigger this? Who has the bigger suit? Who has a nice suit? That's where we are going because now there is nothing really to show for and the false gospel people have come in with things that can tickle us. But they are not dealing with the issue of our lives. So Jesus here is referring to the Pharisees. The fig tree looked good from a distance, but at closer examinations was found to be fruitless. The religious leaders of Jesus' day looked very special, uh, very spiritual outwardly, but inwardly had no godly substance. And I want you to know why they had no godly substance was because in their heart there was no godly substance. You can't give what you don't have. You can't love if you haven't been loved. You can't forgive if you haven't been forgiven. You can't express forgiveness or grace towards people if you have never been graced or forgiven. You see the higher expectation? I've been saying this. In the problem we have right now in the body of Christ, when we win souls for Jesus Christ, they receive Jesus right away. We lead them to Christ. And you know what? We lift up the bar so high. So now these people are afraid to deal with what they need to deal with because we're going to reject them, because we're not going to give them the, the platform to fail. What happens now? They're going to hide in their struggle and they continue to struggle and to struggle and to struggle. They are, they've been you know, Christians for many years, but they continue to struggle with one problem. Why? They did not deal with the foundation itself. So now, how do we call now revival in the world? It's, a, it's now goosebumps. We can have revival right now. We can begin to pray the songs and everything, roll on the carpet, and we say, wow, I went to a very powerful conference. Why? Because we attribute the revival based on the goosebumps. Let me tell you, true revival is a revival that God touches the heart. Because when God touches the heart, he puts substance in there. And when God puts substance in our heart, let me tell you, people of God, what looks difficult becomes very easy. Why? Because God is operating in the engine. Any vehicle with a fake engine will not go very far. Why? Because that engine, when it matters most, it will let you down. So what revival do we need in the world? We need the revival of renewing our heart. 
demonstrating the love of God, demonstrating the character of God. But again, we can't demonstrate the love of God if we as ourselves are full of things that over the years have built up in within our lives. The devil sneaks into our lives. Have you ever seen, you've, you've worshipped, you have uh, had a very good time at church, uh, uh, you've, had, uh, you've read the Bible, you are excited, you are so good, and then you just walk out of the house, and then somebody, I call these like uh, sign languages, you know, they give you those sign languages, you know the sign languages I'm talking about? They just give you sign languages in all direction, like, what did I do? You know, they just cut you off and give you the sign languages, and all of a sudden, your countenance just drops. Oh my goodness. James 3 verse 5. Look at this. And I know we have covered this topic on the power of our tongue to confess, to claim, to claim stuff. How about use it the right way as Jesus was using it to really destroy and dismantle all the toxic that the enemy has planted in our hearts. All the things that the enemy has tried to plant in our hearts. We can use our tongue to say, God, today I flash out everything that makes me irritated for nothing. Have you ever been irritated for nothing? You just see people just minding their own thing. On their own business. Or they've dressed their own clothes and then you just get irritated have you ever seen that the enemy is trying to get to your heart because now here's the question how can you share the gospel to to a person you are irritated about how do we go and preach to this world we've already condemned how do we share a vision that god gave me to you if i don't get along with you how can I work with the man of God if really I don't like him? And remember, it's really not about liking who or what, liking whatever. It's really about understanding what the enemy does. He comes to divide. He comes to destroy through words. Words are that powerful. It destroys marriages. It destroys relationships. It destroys churches. And if we want a revival, we really need to look at the real stuff here. Where is your heart? Where is my heart? I like my friend Jonah. You know Jonah? You remember Jonah in the Bible? God shows up and he tells Jonah, Can you go to Nineveh, Jonah? Can you go and uh, 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 preach to them? What does he do? Now the question is, why is he running away? People say he didn't want to go and preach. That's not the truth. People say he was running from his calling. That's not the truth. It is not the truth. Jonah was not running away from his calling. Jonah had some stuff in his heart towards the Ninevite. The Ninevite were very wicked people. If you read in context the Bible, you find they were very wicked. They could even eat babies. And two, they were very hostile to the children of Israel. They were enemies. Now, God, you're going to ask me to go and preach to my enemy? And what does Jonah say in the, in the, in the, in the Bible? He says, uh, I know if I go and preach to them and they repent, you are not going to punish them. What he wanted was what? Punishment. So how do you preach the gospel when you have hatred in your spirit? How do you pray for people for deliverance when you alone have the stuff in your life that you need to deal with? 
That's why we're just smelling stuff. You know, just like, uh, what, what do we go? Just cross-pollination. The same stuff here, the same stuff there. We need to be cleansed inside out. Because what defiles us is right in the inside. So Jonah now, he's mad. And look at this. He goes there, he preaches the first, he runs away. And God, he says, I'm going to take you to the people that you don't love. And let me tell you, God will test you. He will test you the, with the people that you don't love. Because true love is not demonstrated to the people that you like. <laughs> true love, true Christianity is not demonstrated when we are just in here. And we call ourselves, we are Christians. We call ourselves, we are really people of God. No, the people that should say, we are the children of God, they are outside there. When they see you, what do they see? He says, Christians can be intimidating. I said, let me tell you something. I don't do things because I am perfect. I do things because I am, I am an ordinary person who has experienced the extraordinary God who empowers me to do what I do. I do not preach because I am good. I preach because God is good. And you see, what chases people is really us because of our hearts. And what gets to our hearts, it's because of the experiences. You see, the abuse that you may have gone through when you were young, if you ignore them, they will continue, continue to paralyze you for the rest of your life. The devil knows why he had to paralyze you. Because if he had to, he had to, 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 to abuse you or to abuse you through words or things, he knows you will never arise above the destiny that God predestined you. Abuse brings shame. And you feel ashamed of even standing and proclaiming Jesus. Certain things that happens to us brings, uh, you know, a certain sense of dissatisfaction in our lives. And we don't want to do much. Hey friends, this is uh, Doc again here. Thank you for watching Kingdom Inside. I, I believe and I trust you've been uh, empowered and impacted by the Word of God. Hey, listen, God wants to favor you and to show His mercy and grace so that you can do what He has called you to do. God does not just bless us so that we can uh, feel good or look good. He wants to bless us so that we can expand and extend His kingdom. I'm so excited as you continue to watch Kingdom Inside on all the television stations that you are watching you may be in Africa Europe uh, America or Canada I believe God is gonna do something so wonderful in your life but you got to understand this he is favoring you so that you can be all he has called you to be continue to watch kingdom inside God bless you until then Shalom